Hello everyone, Rob here in Highlands Bunker Studio. Today we debut an interview with Monique Fagans. Monique is an inspiring young activist. She helped organize numerous recent street actions in support of Black Lives Matter, prison conditions during COVID, the rights of unhoused people, and many other causes. We were delighted to host her for an afternoon grill session in the Bunker's Garden. I hope you enjoy our chat. During the discussion, we refer to an organizational theory called mutual aid. I suspect some in the audience uh, may be unfamiliar with this concept. Monique and I didn't really have time to go over the basics. Mutual aid is one of the foundational aspects of anarchist communal theory. It involves voluntary exchange of goods and services within the community. Uh, for example, the Wilmington-based organization Food Not Bombs focuses on the distribution of household goods, food staples, and hygiene products for free to people in their neighborhood. It's vital to understand that this is not charity. It is political activity and a revolutionary act that rejects the capitalist economic system of exchange. Famously, the Black Panther Party was known for providing breakfast and tutoring for neighborhood students in the areas where they were active. This is the same concept. One last thought before we begin our episode today. Many of our comrades won political victories in the primary uh, in early September. These victories were years in the making, from organizing, inspiring, educating, campaigning, and mobilizing. This work will accelerate at all levels. I understand many establishment political players are very confused. Some are struggling to cope with the fact that we refuse to operate by a particular set of rules. In fact, we explicitly reject those rules as illegitimate, the way anarchists reject capitalism. I encourage Delaware's establishment operators to work on their coping mechanisms. Confront your fears and work on acceptance. The tectonic plates of political power are shifting. I would hate for you to be pulverized because you're too stubborn to accept this. You don't need to be a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. If you appreciate our work, please consider a monthly patronage at patreon.com slash thehighlandsbunker and follow grassroots journalism at delawarecall.com. And now I introduce to you our podcast with Monique Fagans. Left is best. Greetings, friends and comrades. Welcome to the Highlands Bunker Podcast. We are socially distanced in the bunker's back garden, out of doors in the shadow of Rockford Tower. Today's episode is produced in partnership with the Delaware Call, grassroots community news at DelawareCall.com. Before we introduce our guest, I wanted to shout out Rich at Squeezebox Records for lending me his stage mics for outdoor recording. Uh, Rich is doing well through the pandemic. Uh, the shop has opened back up uh, with protocols, masks enforced, and all that good stuff. Um, he does have a big garage door there, which makes it kind of fun in a, uh, an open-air atmosphere. Uh, so, you know, if you're into uh, independent records, uh, visit Rich at Squeezebox Records. Joining us at the Bunker Studio today is Monique Fagans. Monique is an activist and an organizer. Uh, she's led many local actions, big and small. I've been in the street with her multiple times in the last couple of months. Um, she is also the proprietor of Ready, Set, Fit and a personal trainer. And when I say personal trainer, I mean like, I don't mean like with mom. I mean, she will kick somebody's ass is what I'm trying to say. I think that's fair to say. Isn't that fair to say? That's, I mean, humbly, humbly. Yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go straight out for it. Monique, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I'm excited to have this conversation and I appreciate you guys having me and, and seeing me and seeing the works that I do. Yeah, of course. Um, well, first off, um, the way we like to start out is just like, where did you grow up? What was it like? Um, you know, kind of what, what was your family life like and how was that uh, sort of get grown up? So I was born in Illinois, Lake Forest, Illinois, and then uh, we lived in Chicago. From Chicago, we moved to Alaska. From Alaska, we moved to Delaware. Was this like a, uh, a military family type of thing? Yeah, my yeah. dad um, served 22 plus years in the military, and then my sister was a Marine, and she passed away in the Marines. 
in action or not or? in she was on base it was an accident okay it, it was an accident on base i see yep jeez so did you um did you have any sort of stability did you grow did, or did you go to like the high school in one place or did you feel so, like you were ever if somebody asked you like where are you from where's home yeah if somebody say hey where are you home from is delaware delaware okay yeah home will be delaware i went to um elementary middle school and high school and college in delaware oh, so nice. um opposite of like what most people think that are born and raised in delaware they want to leave like i really like it here like delaware is close enough to everything it's tax-free um i like delaware i love delaware yeah it's funny i i'm i'm i was born and raised here and i i sort of like it here too i mean there's a lot of things i don't like about it but i but like just as a place to live i'm i i do i like it right and there is stuff around here to do you're close to everything you know mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of cool and then if you got to like go someplace else there's always airbnb you can rent for like a month like you know like yeah. i feel like delaware is a good home base i agree so was there anything any any ideas that you were looking at or anything that happened to you that sort of got you into sort of organizing and activism or made you politically aware can you point to something or was it a, was a series of things or, or how in um growing up in alaska like we rely on our community like for survival um our community is so very important to us so when i moved to delaware i had no idea what a yo mama joke was so like they're like your mama wears combat boots i'm like you don't know my mother so like like that was like my first kind of experience in delaware and then um I saw that there was a need in Delaware for community and like trust because like I felt like everything was like, so separated, um, like north of the bridge, south of the bridge, like east side, west side, like, you know, in Wilmington. And then like, you have Newark and the suburbs versus Hocaston. Like I felt like it was like so separated to be such a small state without some sort of form of community and unity. So um, when I went to um, a different private school in Delaware they didn't have black history month and then I got petition signed in sixth grade my mother helped me like write um, little note cards with black history facts and I was on the announcements from the kindergarten to the 12th grade to the seniors um, at that high school like pioneering black history month so you started right out of the right out of the blocks yeah I always You're rattling people's cages right out of the blocks yeah I always wanted to um I guess save the world. My mom said that when I was younger, when we lived in Alaska, that I would have go around asking them to pick up trash because we had to save the world. Or if there's someone who is disabled, I would want that. I would want people to say, tell them that they're beautiful, tell them that they're they're pretty. Like you know, like I always had this like gravitation towards standing up for the most vulnerable populations or the most vulnerable people or people who weren't heard and people who didn't have voices or didn't feel like they had voices. I always felt the need to go against the grain and not just conform. Yeah, I wonder what, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat similar, of course, I, but I did the opposite. I felt that way, but did conform. So I had all kinds of anxiety that I struggled with and like behavioral problems that I struggled with for a long time in my life because I felt the same way, but didn't do it. And I just find it interesting that you were motivated to do it at such a, such a young age, just almost naturally, like you knew it was something that you needed to you needed to actively do i but but the, i think the only reason why i got away with it was because i was like a four sport athlete and i made honor roll and i rebelled like so it wasn't like i gave growing up gave anyone room to um i guess like say i'm just a bad kid it's just like this kid has a voice and this voice has to be heard so like my parents <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. My parents always knew within the first two weeks of school, I was getting written up, detention, or suspended because I was going to test every single boundary. And the teachers that I had that were the hardest on me and, like, you know, I gave the most feedback to or, like, the most, like, resistance to, like, they're the closest teachers that I have. And, like, throughout that relationship, they learned to accept me and learned to, you know, you know kind of, like, develop my skills. But my parents always knew within like the first two weeks of school, I was suspended, detention, or they had to come in for a meeting. So like um, college and university life, did you continue sort of um, political organizing and activism through that too? 
I wouldn't say I did political organizing and activism. I just did the what my heart said to do and what was the right thing. So if there was like someone being mistreated, I stood on it. Like there wasn't my political standpoint probably is starting more now, probably in the last six months than it has ever been like a political thing. More so just humanity and the difference between right just and wrong. Just standing for justice, not having no real political agenda. Except Correct. Just like this isn't fair. No, I feel that. Correct. Um, and I did almost get kicked out of University of Delaware for being stubborn. And um, that professor is probably, she said she's going to dedicate a chapter of her book to me as a student. But we worked through it. But um, yeah, it was just I didn't like what's, things. What's, what's this? What's this story? You gotta tell this. Can you tell this story? Um, well, I don't like being like I'm a free person, and I believe all people should be free and all people should be liberated. So like, when I feel as though like I'm told what to do and it doesn't make sense, like I have to eat lunch at this hall, but I want to go out to eat, like it doesn't make sense to me, like. Certain rules just don't make sense to me, and certain rules do. So a lot of the rules in that program did not make sense, so I rebelled against it and almost literally lost. Like, it was an enrichment program, so it was even before I got to college, but, yeah, I almost, like, got kicked out of UD. And it was all because I didn't apologize for not following a system that I didn't agree with. I don't know if you listen to it, not to jump ahead, but I do find it interesting because I interviewed the AG a few weeks ago, and one of the questions, one of the issues, I just wanted to see sort of what the response would be because we talked about the cop bill of rights. Exactly. <clears throat> and I was like, why would that, why wouldn't something like that even exist? Because I think she said something like, well, that's the law. And I said, well, that, I understand that that's the law, but like... Am I allowed to curse on here? Of course. Okay. I understand that that's a law, but shouldn't we, because we had talked about like a riff in the community and the police. And so I said, but if you want to, if you, if you really want to understand that, shouldn't we examine the forces that created this special handling for a special kind of armed civil servant? Like, shouldn't we examine that? If, if we want to look to make changes, I told her flat out that I would want to, the whole thing to be repealed. But if you want to make major reforms, I don't understand how you can do that without thinking about why we're in this situation to begin with. Police, being a police officer isn't a race or a culture. Like, it's not, it, a police officer is an occupation. So, like, blue lives, like, I don't understand that. I like that's like saying trainers lives matter nutritionist lives matter like you know we clearly we all matter but I don't believe that we can reform a system that evolved from um, slavery and evolved from you know those people that would find runaways and hang them or find runaways set the hounds on them like there's a history with the police and, you know, I challenge the listeners to research it so it doesn't, I don't come off preachy, but the police evolved from a certain group of people that would hunt slaves. And yeah, hunt we've talked my about people. this a little bit with, in, in different episodes, just like. So, no, the, the system is corrupt, which therefore makes the occupation corrupt, which therefore birds of a feather flock together. If you're signed on to a system and you're getting paid to be in that system, then you believe in that system. So, like, no, there are really, there is no opportunity for a good cop to be a good cop because they also agreed to that system. Yeah, I mean, that, I guess the, the point I was making is, is, is goes back to what you said as a, as a university student. Like, everybody needs to start questioning how we got into this situation. Mm -hmm. um, whether your material conditions are... are are, are good or bad or you see oh, okay. or yeah. you see you know what I mean like people don't have that some people have that innate thing to be like why are we doing this right like, it doesn't make sense right like I should be able to and question uh, it yeah and, and and somebody to tell you this is this is the thing but but everybody just w 
there's there's no rec- recognition of of the impetus behind it, the history, for example, mm-hmm. police, no nothing. We're not so, allowed to question things, and like as a kid, like I I get where you're, I get where, you're, where where we're going with it now. Like I was just a questioner, and you know why we're doing it, how we're doing it, and the purpose of it, and you know people in positions of alleged power don't like to be questioned because as you question things, you begin to dismantle them and you begin to expose them and expose the flaws. And that was like my problem growing up. It was that I questioned everything. And then I would research the heck out of it. So I was reading when I was four years old and I was obsessed with history. I would read Asian history, um, history about slavery. I was obsessed with the Holocaust at one point, um, obsessed with like, you know, the history of like, you know, geishas and like, you know, that type of culture. Like I just like would read so much, like not Dr. Seuss, but I was reading historical chapter books. Yeah, so you were, you were just getting yourself into it. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just obsessed with like, um, cultures that were oppressed and like colonized. And I don't know why, but that's just all I wanted to read growing up. So, um, there's this company called American Girl Dolls, and they have a big um, hub in like Chicago on the Magnificent Mile. I went there as a kid, and there's one doll. Her name's Addie. She was a black doll, and when I went to the American Girl Doll store, it's like three stories, four stories high. I mean, I could be exaggerating because I was like younger, but to me, it was like really, really big. And um, they have plays throughout the day. And I'm like, where's the Addie play? Where's the Addie play? It's the one black doll. She was a slave. She got free. Um, and there was none. So then every week, every Friday, my mom would let me call. Hi, this is Monique. Do you guys have an Addie play yet? No. All right, well, I think you should because she's the only black doll. And then they would be like, we'll work on that. Hang up. And I was like, regi- like Friday, it was my call time. We were calling the American Girl Factory. Around what around what year was this? Around what time were you making this call? Like, I, I wonder how, like, at this point, I don't think that would shock anybody or that wouldn't be such a question because it's more in the culture, more in the zeitgeist or whatever. Like the late 90s? Late 90s. So that's, yeah. That was bold. I think. Yeah. Because nobody wasn't in people's consciousness, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when I was in sixth grade, I mean, I guess I'm going to show my age, but that was probably in the late 90s as well. I never show my age here because it's very, very old. Doesn't matter. I know, I know. I just had a birthday, so it's, I'm feeling it. I just turned 46. I'm a Leo. My birthday was in August. See, I, 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 I don't know what all of it means, but I'm coming to accept the fact that it's a cool thing to talk about. Some of people are like, oh, you're just a Virgo because it's the beginning of September. I don't know what that means. So. I know that I am one, but... Virgos are cool. Uh, I mean, I think so. <laughs> So I, I think the first, I'm trying to think of the first time we met. It might have been just in the Wilmington, uh, the, 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 the large um, action, the first time that we marched on 95. Oh, uh, yeah. And all that. I think that was the first time. I held up the uh, Broken Justice. Yeah. I saw, yeah. Well, I saw you do because I, ha- I got a picture of the guy who did it bef- or after you or before you because a few people grabbed. There was a bunch of pieces on the ground. Yeah. And um, that's how I met Simba too. Simba asked me for that sign, and I met Simba, the one that marched with me oh, from the, Delaware the, to DC. The fourteen-year-old. Yes, I want to get into that because yeah. I heard uh, another show you did in Philadelphia about that. So I want to get into that. But that's where that's where you met him. Mm-hmm. Huh? That's cool. Now, had you been in any kind of uh, uh, action situation that was that sort of uh, fraught or like that got that turned a little bit squirrely? Was that the was that the like I mean I I had I had um, done civil disobedience I had been arrested before but it was all sort of like a little more that one that was an all day affair so it was it was probably the the at least for me the most significant thing I had done to that point. Yeah, I went up by myself. I got dropped off and I found the crowd. Like that's it. That's it. I found like I've been here before. I don't know what people believe in, but like. This is my, like, playoff season where I, I win the championship. Like, you know, like, this is, like, where I win the gold medal. Like, I've been in this type of situation before. Like, not, like, now, but before. So, like, I feel like I'm most comfortable in these types of situations. I feel like I'm an asset and I bring bring value. 
to situations that are like escalated and like can lead to a sh shutting down 95 to disruption um, to agitation and with agitation and disruption um, we bring light onto the social injustice is it and like the racism and the systematic racism yeah I have to tell you that um, you kind of <laughs> just to see the way you organize stuff so I don't really organize. I know, but here's what I'll say. Not organized, but you have a, you keep your head about you. You sort of know what's going on. So at the action outside the AG's house, I found out about it late. I got there a little late. Cops were already around the house. There was already a group of people. You guys were already in the street chanting, singing, reading the, uh, the things that, you know, that we were looking to get out of it. So I walk up, and now sort of there's people milling about, and I see friends of mine. I saw you. I saw other folks. And I, you know, gave them, acknowledged they were there, said hello, said hello, and kind of sat back down, and I was going to see what went on. And I went on my phone to sort of report that I had gotten there and what the situation was. Mm -hmm. A couple minutes later, as I'm looking at my phone, you walked by and tapped me. You were like, hey, keep your head up. And I looked down the sidewalk, and there was just these two guys with, like, skateboards, but they looked sketchy. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't, I'm not someone who, uh, like, I'm not put off by just different people. I'm not, like, uh, I'm not like that. But when I looked up and I was like, man, these guys are walking right by me. I'm not even paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> and it was you. You were like, hey, um, you might want to keep your head up because it's like people are starting to come out. People are starting to get upset. Like, take photos, call their friends, what the fuck is happening? Right, right. Um, yeah. So that's just something you did for me because you were just kept your, you just, you were just, had your head, like, had your head on. And Always. I didn't. I, um, it's like everything moves in slow motion when I'm out there, like, boots on the ground. I'm out there on the street. Like, I, I see everything. I, I am a de-escalator, although I am an agitator. Like, there's no need to do things that aren't necessary. And I like to keep people on the mission of the action like what is the goal of the action that we're doing and then when i support other organizers i always stay in the back because we leave no protester behind we leave no marcher behind and um my head is just i could just see it all i don't know how but like i could just see it and i could just see things happening before they happen and i like to prevent them and then I'm glad that, you know, I was useful to you. It wasn't even that. It was just so indicative of, like, here's somebody who, well, I guess we we marched, and uh, when, when we did the action through the Highlands and from the uh, museum, and it was sort of the first time people around these parts got a little taste of people, like, marching down their street. A little saucy. Yeah, but but the, the big thing that people took away from it was at the end, uh, we're like, hey, is this your first action? And, and you know, 70% or 80% of the people um, raised their hand. Um, but it was cool because people like you, people like Kobe, people like me were just able to kind of, like, get people into it and feel comfortable because it is a, um, you know, it can be daunting for somebody to think, I'm going to go put my body on the line. Right. Like, I'm if you've never done it before... And you're just like, well, we're walking in the middle of the street. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. And so, but but I think when there's people there who have that mindset uh, and can organize people, it just, it just, it's so much better for the cause because they're like, I can do this. It is. And it's a certain like strength that is needed in certain situations of the action. So I really like um, when Kobe's around because... You know, Kobe will tell me, all right, Monique, turn it down. And I'm like, all right, all right, say less. Got you, got you, got you. So you're supposed but to be a de-escalator. Kobe's the de-escalator. Kobe, yeah, Kobe is a is a de-escalator as well. But I am more like I have, I could take more risks. Like I don't, I don't, I, ha I don't, I don't have to take, I don't have to be as cautious as yes. other people have to be. Yes. With like, I can say what other people might want to say without like consequence. Cause like the police can't call my job cause I'm self-employed. You're going to call me to talk about me. Bye. 
Like, you know, yeah, call like, my man. I am the manager. Yeah, yeah, I am the owner. I am the CEO of my company. So. Yeah, well, I feel I do the same thing because I'm white. Yeah, I can get away with like pushing it like uh, so. Yeah, I'm always the one that Kobe's saying like, hey, can you turn it down? Can you turn it down? Like I yelled at Przicki at the Kobe at the rally that Kobe organized it was pretty big. You know, we went to the, the courthouse and everything. I was really proud of that. But yeah, Przicki came out. And I started yelling at him, and they were like, no, he said he would only come if nobody yelled at him. I'm like, fuck that guy. Right? Like, your sensitivity, fuck like, you, grow man. up. Yeah, like, like so, you know. And and so, he was like, <sighs> but again. Because we're yelling. Imagine if we had a revolution. I know, look, you know how I feel Because the it, voice it. Because my voice hurts you. My tone. Yeah, yeah. He's very fragile. And and again. Fragility. Look, we, yeah, he's very fragile. Uh, you know, we, we're the, the violence is starting to ramp up in the city. We see that. What violence? What is violence? Well, I mean, people, um, just kids doing gun violence. Okay, so like the gun violence, yeah. Yeah, that's starting to ramp up a little bit, which is, you know. That's I, I, always been a thing. Correct. And and I think I know, you know, and there's there's multiple sort of uh, reasons? reasons behind it. And I, I get that. But my thing is like, okay, let's call 365 days of nonviolence amongst ourselves. That would be cool, and maybe, like, but I just want to make sure, like, as protesters and as, like, activists and freedom fighters that we're not deemed as violent, but I do think there should be a call to action to have, in Delaware, to have 365 days of nonviolence amongst one another. I, w I would challenge Delaware to that, but um, I wouldn't call it, like, you know, this group of people or this people from this area are violent, I would call it, there is a lack of mutual aid and a lack of resources. So people need to do what they need to do to survive. So at the same sentiment, like if people had no more than what they needed or no less than what they needed, as far as like, you know, food, diapers, housing, um, healthcare, and those types of things, maybe those actions that are deemed violent that are done out of survival, would not necessarily be. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about this, about just organizing. Like, at, when you say 365 days of, of nonviolence, I'm thinking, well, that's profound. You know, that's like, but that has a. This is not shoot one another for 365 days. Yeah, but that has a that has a uh, a political aspect to it because we're doing it to prove a point, and we're doing it in solidarity with one another, and all of that. And my. I'm not say, saying give up your guns. Like, oh, I'm no, not, no, no. I would never advocate that, and ever. My view on guns is actually quite clear. Um, you know, I think that the, I think people should have guns if they want them. I'm not a huge, I, I don't, I think probably assault weapons should be banned. Uh, but other guns, I, I, don't I, agree. I, could, I couldn't care less. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm open. We should have access to whatever weapons we want. I just think that we should be actively training Yes. To properly use them. I and agree. we should have safety protocols. And I think, you know, the first time I pulled a trigger at a gun range, I, like, explicitly remember, like, yo, like, there's power behind that pull. It's pretty wild. And and I'm deadly. Like, when th with this in my person, I'm a deadly force. So I feel like I respect the weapon. And, you know, it's, that's just another growth process. Like, I, I don't feel like... I really hate the fact that groups want cities or inner city groups or like, you know, the black community to turn in their guns. Like how much more vulnerable can we be as a black community if you and then you ask us to turn in our guns? Like I just don't like that. I had this conversation with Matt Meyer, the county executive, uh, to sort of explain myself and my position just I guess boiled down to the the, the, the bare bones is that the issue of violence in some of the city neighborhoods of a nine millimeter being passed around a group of kids like a gang? The the reason that's happening is not because there's like that guns, you know, well, a group of kids like a gang. There's there's clan members that kids. There's people in the yeah, south that are training their children, and it, they're not like talked about with those actors. Of course not. Yeah. Right. But that, and that's that's exactly my point. Okay. The issues that we're talking about actually don't have anything to do with guns. 
Right. Was what I, basically I told him. Mm-hmm. I, I said, "There's a, there's you can you can talk about a gun issue uh, with kids or schools or whatever you want to talk about, or access to so many guns for so many people, but the issue of just people having guns or like." Or trying to differentiate, oh, inner city people having guns. That's all bullshit. There's a whole, that's a whole different, Correct. that's a whole different, pro, that's a whole different issue. That's systematic oppression. Yeah, of course. And, and, and nobody wants to, again, going back to the, going back to the earlier thing we were talking about, like, well, why? Why is it, a, why is that a rule? Why is that, a, why is this happening? No one asks that question. No one says, well, why, why is this happening here and we're talking about it, but it's happening here and we're not? Where that doesn't get the story. Well, nobody's asking that question. Nobody's, you know what I mean? But that's a question that needs to be asked. Of course. And that's a question that, like, you know, because I ask these things and make these, th- these things known, I get death threats. I get, like, all sorts of types of hate mail on my Instagram, social media platforms. Like, and it's a reason why the KKK aren't a terroristic group, but people, like, you know, that organize and can get activists on a mutual call to action are assassinated. Like, there's a reason for it. There's a reason why the prison system is the way it is and they are doing slave labor and getting away with it. There's a reason why, like, plantation owners got reparations, a hundred and like, hundred plus acres of farmland because they lost their slaves. Like, these are like facts of history that like people don't know, but there's all a reason to it, which is why it just needs to be destroyed, in my opinion. I actually agree with you. I mean, if if people don't want to accept, I I, I retweeted a a King uh, quote in con, in a different context, but it was basically the same thing. It was like land was given to European settlers to settle the West. Actually, and, and doing it without slavery was one of the reasons the Civil War was finally fought. Land-grant colleges were established to teach people how to farm and do other things that particularly excluded people. And if we're not going to be able to ask like that question or interrogate that, then just, we should just rip everything down. I, I, Agreed. I, I like, agree. Because the land you. that farmers have now is not theirs. And then, like, you know, the natives use the Constitution like to get their... Um, their land back or uh, some of their land back i don't want to say they got it all but it just needs it needs to be redone and it's just not it's just not right it's just not right it's not so um what i i know you've been doing so many things you and i were down at in georgetown at the prison we did an action there uh i know you've been in philadelphia at um some housing you know unhoused people that are trying to trying to kick out and trying to make sure that these people have somewhere to, to stay and they're not bulldozed. You know, the human beings aren't used as, as pylons or something. Um, yeah, tell us about some of the things that you're that you're acting on today with, with folks just so they get an idea of the different types of issues that you're uh, addressing with direct action. Well, my direct action is, like, really pretty broad from, like, New York to D.C., um, with abolition groups um, in DC, um, I'm working on, you know, becoming a member of United Panther Movement. Um, they reached out, and I'm going through my vetting process. Um, there's a lot that I get called to do, and like with the encampments in Philly, um, and marching from Delaware to DC, like with my seven demands that I had. For Delaware, um, all I can do as a leader is lead by action and keep the same moral compass and keep my standard of excellence as high as it is so that, like, I can, like, show people that, like, it can be done. It's a risk that can be done, but, like, everyone has their own role. You know, like, everyone has their role. So if, like, I'm all the way left field and that was like the scary thing. Like, oh, I don't want to be out there like that because of the consequences. Like, I don't want to be out there like that because of the hate mail. All right, well, let me put myself all the way out there. So that's done. That fear is like X'd out and canceled. Now how can everyone fall into their roles? Because if the one concern that a lot of people have that I've talked to is that, oh, I don't want to be out there. or I don't want like to be a target or I don't want to like, you know, have repercussions. Like I accept the consequences. 
of my actions. And as long as I operate within my moral compass and use my integrity and my intuition, like I know I'm not hurting anyone. So I had to make myself as like uncomfortable as possible in this movement and this revolution and in the civil rights movement in order to give people comfort into falling into their own roles, if that makes any sense. It does. I mean, I, was, I understand how people feel. I mean, I remember the first couple of times I went out and it's it's nerve wracking. Um, but if you if you feel like if you feel like you're right and there's a reason and if somebody asked you what the reason is, you could tell them like I could tell them. And so like the professor you had and or the AG, they know the reason but they can't tell you. There's a reason they can't. And so if I can tell you the reason, then I feel pretty good about taking the risk. Correct. Yeah. Um, but I but I also understand that as you like you're a self-employed person, so you, nobody can really go after that. I'm a sort of an affluent white person, so nobody takes nobody takes any time to go after me. But I understand that there are a lot of people who aren't in that position who it is. There's it's a huge risk, and it's and and it's it's so important to be able to show people that you can get in the street, you can do it in a way that. Um, it's not it's not without risk um but but when you shed that sort of awkwardness or that hesitation or that fear it actually is exhilarating if you're coming from a place of sort of of love compassion and compassion empathy. and empathy yes yeah. and justice and and you can and you can tell people why you're doing it exactly you know yeah. i mean and that's like it's just I, I find that incredibly important and that's why people like you are are incredibly important because I feel like you know whatever you want to say about injustice or political stuff or social stuff people are going to have to get involved with each other they're going to have to somehow be able to get involved with each other and do things outside of their comfort level right or so if the glass ceiling is like the exposure I'll be that exposure and which is why I did the march, um, Delaware's march. Yeah, so so you met the young man um, at the Wilmington rally. How what, how did this march come together? What did you do? What were the demands? This is actually pretty fascinating, um, sort of the way that it worked. And it kind of, because I know a little bit of the story, it kind of feeds into that idea of folks sort of trying to make the decision of whether they're going to like how far they're going to go. Correct. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story from beginning to end, I think. So when this started, um, I, I guess I'll call it the new revolution, like this movement started. Every time there was an instance of racism, violence, brutality, like whether it be on black people, Asian people, the Mexican children in concentration camps, it hit me in my soul. Like it would take me out. Like I wouldn't be right for a few days. And um, it came to a point where, like, I'm just, I can't go to work. I can't go to, like, do the things I do. I can't do my makeup every morning. People are dying. Like, I had to shed so many layers of my ego and myself, like, during this process. And then I was like, how do I put myself against the wall? How do I make myself as vulnerable as possible in order to show Delaware, unite Delaware about it's bigger than our organizations, it's bigger than our propaganda, it's bigger than our property, it's bigger, like this is a big thing and Delaware is a slave state. So they did an excellent job at dividing us north of the bridge, south of the bridge, like, you know, like I said before, like they divided us. And not from me not being from Delaware also gave me a different perspective and insight. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking march. I'm going to fucking walk. And um, there's this one young woman that started with me, but it ended up only being Simba and I. Because um, the first night, um, we were surrounded by seven cop cars in the middle of Elton Road, um, right by Waffle House. I went live. Everyone went live. And there was a crosswalk, and we were – crosswalk was blocked off by Elton Police on one side, Elton PD on the other side, and then surrounded us for three women and a 14 year old like ridiculous so i understand how you know a lot of people want to get involved but then like you know 
play a bigger role than they should play. And then, like, instead of, like, toning it down, they're just, like, defeated. So I just want people to know that, like, no matter if it's a role that's, like, in the media or a role that's behind the scenes, all these roles are important in the revolution. So um, we skipped 14 miles because we didn't want to go through Rising Sun and Elkton as, like, just me and Simba. So, I mean, I do owe Delaware 14 miles, but I want us to do it as a collective because that's, like, the hub for Clantown and all of that. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like, how can I challenge myself? And we had seven demands. and So it was a walk to... A march. A march. Uh, but, but, I mean, you guys uh, every day did do miles. Yeah. yeah. The biggest day was 22 miles. Like, and you went from where to where? Do you remember? Um, we went from the site where Jeremy McDowell was shot and murdered yep. by the police um, to the White House. And so you just did, you do, you just chunked it up and did it every day? Every day, every yeah. Day. I call him the Godfather. He uh, marches across the nation every year, and he helped me route it. Oh, cool. Yep. And then... Um, Who's this Godfather character? He does it for, like, um, social at, justice, like that? Like He does thing? a lot. He helps me with a lot of social justice, and um, a close friend... More than a comrade, more than an ally, put me in connection with Godfather. So, yeah. So the seven demands of our march was um, to reopen the investigation into the shooting of Jerry McDowell by the Wilmington police, as well as the cases related to lynching that were deemed suicides by the DOC in Dover, Delaware. So we have people showing up in trees, black people, black children. We have black children showing up in in the, um, what is it? the water down in Dover and there's suicides and they haven't been investigated. That's a problem. And then Jeremy McDowell, McDowell's case reaches statute of limitations, September 23rd. So it's important that we push, you know, Jeremy McDowell's um, police brutality case. Um, my second one was to unite all activists into a mutual call to action. The third one is to unite black and brown America in its entirety, African-Americans, Africans, Islanders, Hispanics, Indians, brown people, all people of color. Um, this is an important one to me as well, uh, to free prisoners of nonviolent crimes, including those with drug-related offenses. Now that the U.S. is profiting off of cannabis, like, yo, free my people. Um, number five is move the money from the police to the people, which quintessentially is like, a way to say defund the fucking police. Um, number six is to give access to fresh produce and mutual aid across the state collectively. Right now, I only do work on the east side. I want to expand that. And with the UPM, United Panthers Movement, I plan on expanding that with them. Um, and seven is so important, is make sure activists aren't charged for civil disobedience for challenging oppressive systems. That one is vital. Yeah, that's something I that that I think the AG has taken up that one and talked about it, um, and talked about it explicitly because it's 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 something that is as you said it's so vital. So it is that she's been pretty clear about not about letting people protest. Um, I was a little concerned that she didn't come out a little harder on the police uh, after the Dover the Camden arrest. Um, but again, but she did say, she did ensure to say, I'm dropping all charges. Nobody did anything wrong. This is like uh, sort of bullshit because people need to be able to feel like. But the trauma that Candom 22 went through, like uh, that was, me. that was insane. Like that's just not enough. Like uh, it's not enough. Oh, it's I, not I, enough. I, I, I think the way that I look at it is I look at it as, as a first step. Um, the. Nobody's going to come out and battle the police right out of the blocks, but everything needs to be moving towards this idea of defunding the police, as you said. I'm here to put the pressure on the Wilmington PD. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm applying full court pressure, and if that means like I get arrested every protest or every march for trying to walk on a street that, um, a public sidewalk, I'll do that well, as long as the community has my back. I wasn't in town that weekend, and I started getting uh, these messages. I guess because people assume I know everything that's going on, and I didn't. It was the and there was and, and and somebody's like, "Well, there's a march today," and I'm like, "Well, of course, there should be a march every fucking day." To be per perfectly honest, but they're like, "No, they, there's a uh, there's a sh like sort of a standoff at Market Street, and a few people got arrested." I'm like, "Cool," like I thought it was great, um, and then it didn't. Then that night, 
I started seeing pictures, and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Monique. <laughs> and I'm like, god damn. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. But then the next day, uh, I see, and the Washington Post covered it, and somewhere out west, another paper out west, maybe the LA Times, and there it is, there's your quote. Uh, they were blocking us from walking down the sidewalk of a public street in order to protect capital, to protect, you know, BPG, BPG buildings, uh, fancy restaurants, uh, and all that bullshit. That's why that happened. Because it's un because you, when you try to make people uncomfortable, they're going to surround the property. I told a story. I don't, I don't know if you heard it. And you, you were there, so you might have noticed it. The big Wilmington action, the first time we shut down 95, we went over to Bridge into South Bridge, shut down that intersection for a little bit. Yeah, I bit. was there. Yeah, so was I. Susan, so Nurse Susan was there. Um, and then we did the old switcheroo and went over to 95. But what I found out afterwards was the police had surrounded ShopRite. Like, in the squad cars. Because, you know, the ShopRite CEO, Kenny, he's a big... He, he's a, a mogul, you know, he's, a, he's the new Gilded Age. And so he's trying to run a reactionary thing with the DuPonts. And so they immediately, as soon as we went over that Mar Walnut Street Bridge, they, they surrounded, they, they made a, a, you know, some kind of, they built works. Right. Around but then we deviated to 95. Yeah. So then that night, like, you know, it turned up and um, we were... I'm going to say we because I'm part of the resistance, although I might not be part of a riot or looting. I'm not saying rioting, rioting and looting aren't a part of a revolution. Um, and uh, just as a, as a editor's note, my position on rioting and looting is I don't have a position because it's not for me to say. Well, yeah. People got to do what the fuck they got to do. Exactly. And then on top of that, there's all these museums with looted and rioted and, and stolen property from people's cultures in America. So... Like, it's just a non-thing to me. Shit happens. So when um, they were going through the neighborhoods, we were going through the neighborhoods, I was like, yo, like, we can't do this. Like, you know, like, you don't know if these people are white or black. Not that white or black matters, but at that point of a riot, I'm trying to... Just de-escalate it. De-escalate, yeah. So then it turned, like, you know, we turn, we leave up market. I'm driving through, like, trying to, you know, rip kids out of cars, but then, like, yo, let's go to the gentrified areas. Like, I know you're going to fuck shit up to begin with, but not this shit. Let's just, let's just keep up. going. Let's try to pick other shit. Yeah, pick other shit. So, like, every time, like, at Walgreens, I was pouring, like, water in some woman's eye because she, had, she got glass in it and she worked in it. And I was telling kids to re they return that shit. And then we ended up, as, as we turned on 4th Street, I looked behind me. There's, like, 15 cop cars behind me. Cop car here, cop car on the other side of me. Drones above me, I'm like, I pull up to the cop car, look at them, and, like, they just nod their heads. And um, it was controlled chaos at that point. So, like, that day, like, I, I helped me and another friend help turn a riot into a peaceful protest. But then, like, once, like, you know, it turned up on um, Market, once we got to Market Street, it was either, like, Market Street or um, the waterfront. Like, hit the gentrified areas, period. Like, you're going to wreck shit. I'd rather businesses use their insurance than, you know, homeowners and people who are, like, struggling because of COVID. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people, like, you know, like, it was, I had to make a choice as a leader. And as leaders, we make choices. So that was a choice I made. And they turned up on um, Market Street. And I know that the feedback was, you know, that generation, Gen Z and like late millennials had something to be a part of. They felt like they stood for something. They felt like their voice was heard. And um, I remember talking to a couple of them. I'm like, yo, like, please respect women, even if they are in uniform, especially women of color. Like, don't fuck with them. And so, like, you know, they held that, like, level of, like, all right, I might not do X, but I might do Y or Z. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, it, 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 it. It wasn't chaos. It wasn't people were out of control. It's just like that rioting on Market Street. People were upset. Like people had pent up like anger and like there are no resources for people to be able to like, I guess, quote unquote, effectively release. And that was their release. And that's just fucking property. 
it's this property that's getting destroyed. And I like, want to say something here too because I had a not con- people. I had I had a conversation with a few different people. Um, one one was a business owner was a friend of mine who uh, lost his restaurant over here, and another one was a guy who runs a a studio, a sound and and, and video uh, studio in downtown Wilmington, and uh, and. Um, the idea was that for some reason I was told that insurance didn't cover uh, civil unrest. Well, co- subsequently I come to find out that it, that it does on almost every case. So I, and I And I know these guys run businesses. I know my friend ran a big restaurant and, and a bakery, and, and my, my other friend down in Wilmington runs a, a fairly significant uh, production studio, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they both said the same thing, and I did you know some 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 digging on it, and I don't think that's true. Uh, it seems to me that bi- that that business insurance does cover riot, civil unrest, you know, all of that bullshit. So I don't really, I, I don't know. People, again, my my position on it is basically agnostic because it's not for me to like. I understand that I understand what's happening. So the so the results don't really. I'm like, oh, that happened. Everything results and needs to be. Everything needs pressure added to it. Pressure either makes a diamond or bursts pipes. So, whatever pressure is being applied, the outcome was from that riot. That you know the mayor showed up. The lead detective like you know all these big people all showed up the next day but when the people request these leaders and these people of power to come and just talk peacefully they don't show up or like last saturday or the other saturday i don't know i've been at the encampment um the police officers are throwing footballs on top of their building while they're while we're protesting and they're standing above us laughing so because I do like outreach in the community, you know, someone who is in recovery or working on their recovery came up to me wanting money because they, they see me in the community. They know who I am. I'm like, I only got $2 for you today, like here. And then the police officers that are in the building are pointing and laughing. Yeah, well, I, I want to I lead into something because they had the talking about just surveillance and cops and everything because they had the drone up on us at Georgetown and went to the prison. Right, yeah. You could say, it, I mean, it was right there. I blew there. a kiss at the camera. Yeah. I, I mean, and... Y'all and, hate and it, me. And it was only like 50 people. Like, they just had to have the fucking drone up because they get off on it. Um, I mean, you mentioned it before, and I've been very clear about this, and I just want to be very clear. All cops are bastards. The system of the police... I don't want to hear any bullshit. A-cab, A-cab. I don't want to hear that 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 that, that L- Lieutenant Dan was a, was did a lot of neighborhood stuff, but then he quit the force under some... I don't want to hear that your uncle was there, but you know he knew the guy that changed the barrel of his gun and shot Yahim in the back. I don't want to fucking hear any of that. You know the the people. It's who a matter are, of what you do after. The, the people who are at risk to the cops who have the drones put on them and the surveillance put on them because it is happening. You know that's a real risk. Right, but it's also after those good cops alleged quit. What do they do with that intel? What do they do to to create uh, a sort of resistance or like what do they do to help the people after they quit because they realize that they are a good cop? They're not a bad cop like the system wants them to be. My question to all those good cops that quit and all those good cops that are out there allegedly, what are you doing with that intel and with that information to protect the people? And that is the difference yeah I, I don't even you're I mean you're absolutely right I, I don't even think about it that hard I'm like look if these people know it's pretty well documented that the the culture of these police departments is just toxic Nazi you know crank right. cr- you know just it's so crazy. what happens when you're so, in a call so everybody know like so people know you can ignore it and 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 there's documented cases of of so not even whistleblowing, but just being like, hey, you know, I'm out with this guy and he seems to be a maniac. And, just, and, and, and that comes, they come down hard on you if you even try to like, work within the system. 
because you're not because you're not you know you got to be a, you got to be in the death cult you got to be a blood brother and ready to kill at, you know at a moment's notice correct and so for them not me correct like that's what they do yes of course <laughs> clarifying yeah but um yeah i i hope people i mean again what you said and i just was taking it back to the idea that they protect private property what what I, i'm so glad that that was the quote that they used Oh, that's all I said. I know my script. Ah, uh, that's it. Like, yeah, like yeah. I know what I'm saying to no, the media. No, superfluous no, you're not going to get me off a track. Um, nice. And I know what I'm saying. And I know what I want to say. And um, when it comes to the news journal, like, I came at them because they put the protest photos next to the article with uh, two teens murdered by guns in Delaware. So, like, I... And that was on purpose. The News Journal did that on purpose. And um, I don't care if it was the video that was chosen for the whole week to highlight the week. Y'all could have just made one quick decision and be like, eh, maybe we shouldn't put that video, the protest video with the murders. Um, just because people are ignorant and people aren't smart. Like, I, and people I will know, just like put it together. I know several folks at the News Journal who would agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I had... I, they can I, call me. Yeah, I've had... 302 going back years about just even, like, they love to do the mugshot. Like, this person was arrested, you know, for a fight or a stabbing or something. But they love the mugshot just to, just so people can judge, like, what people look like or what they think about them. It's, it's systematic oppression. Gross. It's systematic racism. They know it. They, they know it. And again, I, I they don't... I, I, I'm we supported the 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 news guild because there are people there that have uh, organizing and, and and sort of uh, collective proclivities and, and and things about justice and, and 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 so they're trying to fight back against you know corporate bullshit that will do exactly that they'll be like hey there was this thing down there. also look at this look at this people in the highlands there was a shooting as well and 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 but uh, then the Kenosha shooter had a long rifle not a assault gun not an assault rifle not a deadly weapon he had a long rifle like even the way they 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 speak of the narrative is is disturbing no no, no doubt well i do want to get into the the panther thing because i want to understand because i actually have it took you know it took me a while to understand all the aspects of sort of that 70s movement. Of course, I don't still don't understand it all, but <clears throat> but but I, I'm I'm very interested because I've had this conversation with Food Not Bombs about how how giving away food in a neighborhood is a revolutionary act from and, the Panthers. And that's what the Panthers are known yeah, for. Yeah, it's evolved program, and, and and it's and it's an evolution of that's an offshoot of that. The idea that doing mutual aid in the community whether it's free home goods or free food but do you see how the government now does it and calls it like uh welfare like you know like the government like the capitalists do steal our ideas yeah, but, but 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 yes but, but what do they do they make it but a make point it of a, dependence correct they put a negative connotation on it yeah look what we need to do for these citizens we right. need to do this it's gross when actually yes we do need to do it right it's not gross it's actually very cool. It's done out of empathy and love for your neighbor. Correct. And it's the way that most people would want to live. And so... And the government takes it as like um, a form of control as well. Well, again, yes. That's what they, they'll say that you're under... Uh, well, again, it all it all goes to the, the idea of capital that you have to... There's some, there's some sort of individuality or personal responsibility. And so the connotation is if, if you're getting, if you're getting uh, some some security or, or some program from the from everyone that somehow it's a failure on you. And it's a classism thing. Has nothing to do with that. Because of course, of course it is. All right. But back to um the mutual aid. Yes. So so with um the U UPM, um that is something I am working on currently that's my next thing it now is, what is there is it this is a new organization but it's based on the panthers the original sort of panthers ideology I mean, that's information that like you know if you're interested you'll gotcha. get from the people who are you know i feel you qualified to answer those questions that's right um but for me 
the United Panther Movement is um, another form of reaching my demands of um, getting mutual aid and fresh produce across our state as a collective. So everything I do is related to those seven demands that I have. Um, and, you know, creating and uh, mobilizing and like creating a collective of the United um, Panther Movement is something I think Delaware needs um, to be a part of a global position. Um, and, you know, I'm still going through my vetting. And if you know me, I really don't speak heavy or like talk my shit unless like I know everything about it. So um, I don't know everything just yet. And I am still being vetted, but it's coming to Delaware. The United Panther Movement is coming to Delaware. And um, I'm going to be a part of that. And I'm bringing it to Delaware. I mean, another comrade, which um, I didn't get consensus if he wanted his name mentioned today. No so, worries. Um, me and another comrade are working our asses off and learning as much as we can because the mutual aid, being out there in the community, serving the people and serving our most vulnerable populations is my goal. So when I do mutual aid and I'm in there and, and people just want men's underwear, clean men's underwear, we get clothing donations. You know, women have a lot of programs with like tampons and underwear. Children have a lot of programs, but the men, like I had to use my social media to raise um, 200 pairs of underwear in a week. And when I say like, I don't like regulating things, but like I had to tell people take one just take one. I don't. I hate to do that. All right. And I'm like, all right, you need two. Fine, take two. You got a little brother. All right, fine, fine, fine. Like, I hate regulating stuff, but, like, that underwear, those 200 pairs are going to be gone in, in less than five minutes if I didn't, like, say, take just what you need and not anymore. I know you, got, you all didn't have this before, but just take what you need. And that's what, like, the community and people need to understand is take what they need and leave a little bit for somebody else. That's it. And, like, that's, like, kind of, um, why I want to bring this organization to Delaware, why I'm going to, and, you know, we're going to train our minds, we're going to train our bodies, we're going to train, you know, um, help the community. Like, we are going to, and it's a united Panther movement, so it's all people, not just, like, you know, black people. Um, and we want to, I want to work amongst side other organizations that provide mutual aid, such as food, not bombs. But if I can provide it in a different platform and a platform that's more comfortable for people who look like me or like, you know what I mean? Or people who like can relate to me because I'm in the public, then I need to do something like that. So I have the freedom to move and as well, you know, be there for the fucking people. Like this is what it's all about. I, so I'm trying to write something uh, about my experience going out and canvassing for an elected official because I feel like I learned something about organizing versus mobilization. Like you can go out and try to mobilize a group for, for a transactional thing. Correct. Like to, yeah. uh, we, and, and, and they're done in good faith. You know, these, the, there, there are some, there are great candidates. However, really what needs to happen before all of that is just mutual aid and organizing in the community and saying we can't we we there are we're going to try to address in a in a in a common way the needs and and, and you see that we can do that and it, that's a that's a revolutionary act and I'm glad that there's I'm glad that there's not only one group but a lot of these groups and I hope that my only last point was that I hope that everybody understands that coming together is better than trying to find little niches which it sounds like and I and I and of course I know the food not bombs sort of a lot of those yeah. folks too. And even the it's DSA, great. like brand new, right? And like we need to all as activists, as elders that are in activism, um, you know, Gen X and Boomers need to get on the millennial, millennial and Gen Z wave. Maybe like, not Boomers though. Well, Gary Steelman. Gary, well, I'm just saying, shout, boomers, out, shout out to Gary. Boomers are Boomers are a hold up sometimes. Um, but if we can agree on one or two called actions, one or two actions in Delaware, just and then work on those as a co like as a coalition, as a collective, as like comrades, 
then that begins to build trust. So like, you know, the first action I really, really, truly, honestly believe in my heart that we all can agree on in Delaware is that um, activists, freedom fighters, and, you know, the resistance should not be charged civil disobedience for disobeying or for, you know, challenging systematic racism. I feel like everyone should, if, if you're an activist, you should be able to agree upon that. So that's protecting us. And the second thing I think we all can agree upon in Delaware is that people need produce, diapers, wipes, and Narcan. Like providing a free market. Every organization, we should be able to like mobilize and hit every single city with a free market once a week. And if we can't, then we're failing. Because those are two things that are easy to agree upon. And how we execute, it's up to each individual. But we should agree upon those. Yeah. So how, um, what sort of uh, social media or internet things do you have set up for people to sort of explore the kind of things you're doing? Uh, maybe get involved in some way just uh, and, you, and you can sort of do some intake and find out like oh I would people. love feedback and if I'm missing a community or if I'm like speaking incorrectly I'd love constructive positive feedback in order to sharpen because you know as a village as a tribe iron sharpens iron but it's on uh, my Instagram is underscore Monique Nicole and at ready set fit de um, and then my other social medias are meerkat for justice meerkat M-E-E-R-K-A-T, the number four, and then justice. Yeah, so the way this works, folks, is you just hit some of us up, and you're like, hey, I want to help in some way. This is my situation, and, you know, we just organize. And you talk to your neighbors, and you talk to your friends, and you talk to your aunt and uncle, and you talk to the guy that owns the shop at the end of your street. And, you know, we can do better things. It's been a bad year. However, things are looking up. We've won some election victories. And also, you know, the Black Panther movement is coming in here to, to do some social work, really. And so there's things that we can be positive about and be optimistic about. Another one of those things uh, is Highlands Bunker Podcast. You know, you can go on patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker you could throw us five, ten dollars a month. Try to support our work. Carl produces every show beautifully. He just got an incredible candidate elected to our General Assembly. You know, support his work through this podcast. Go on DelawareCall.com. Read our stories. Support that work. Uh, and just try to get involved in the things that are happening. Because things are happening, folks. I have, I have news for everybody. Things are happening. Monique, uh, thanks for coming over. Let's eat some more of this chicken. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you for having chicken and Heineken. <laughs> uh, chicken and Heineken and you know, other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Grilled chicken. All right. Yes. Thank you for having me. And like, let's activate one another. Let's, let's, let's get this stuff done. Yeah. I'm so glad you came over. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Left is best, everybody. Be safe.